I want to say thank you for just letting me stand up here and just share with you what I believe God has put on my heart. Um, a few weeks ago, Doug asked me, how would you feel about teaching Sunday? And uh, I said, I wouldn't want to do that, no. <laughs> thank you, Doug, I appreciate it. But uh, I said yes, and uh, I got to thinking, you know, what can I teach on? What can I teach on? How can I, how can I blow Renew away? How can I show them how smart I am, you know? I started to get worked up and get more worked up, and I kept thinking, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? Which was my first mistake. And so I, uh, one day I was, I was scrolling on Instagram. I see a theme here with social media, you know. And uh, I was scrolling on Instagram, which is something that I never do. Um, and uh, I came across a post. It was John 15. Abide in me, is what it said. Abide in me. And I got to thinking a little bit. Abide in me, abide in him. Have I been abiding in him? What does that even look like, right? Abiding in him. I got to thinking, man, have you seen my life lately? Super busy, you know, working and family and kind of get angry every now and then, you know. Uh, been waiting on the Lord to tell us to go here or go there, and so I'm tired of waiting on the Lord, you know. Got these crazy family dynamics. My, uh, my niece is also my daughter, but like not in a weird way. Um, you know, her dad is like still in the picture, and it's, so it gets messy and, and hard and difficult and sticky and you know, like I spend most of my time just trying to keep my head above water, you know, like, and it's like, you know, I don't have time to abide. I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get through this. I don't have time to abide. Second mistake. So I started reading John 15, and I read it over and over again, and uh, you notice, like, all of John is, like, heavy, right? But especially in this bit of uh, scripture that we're going to read today, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. You know, there's the metaphor of the vine and the branch, the idea of abiding, the I am statements, like a lot of theological idea, a lot of theological ideas found here. And just a quick side note, when you hear the word theology or theological, like don't be intimidated, don't be put off, don't be whatever. It's it's a fancy way of saying how we think and talk about God. That's it. That's what theology is. As a matter of fact, all believers are theologians. So, like, take comfort in that. Next time, next time you think to yourself, you know, I don't, I don't know much about theology. I mean, the truth is you do. You do know about theology. So, that was a freebie. Um, so as we, as we read John 15, 1 to 11, which will be up on the screen, um, we're going to focus on two ideas, abiding and who we abide in. Abiding and who we abide in. So keep that in mind as we read through a little bit here. Again, it's John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that it changes us, that it challenges us, that it comforts us, and that it forms us. Amen. So first of all, who do we abide in? We abide in I am. In John's gospel, there's seven I am statements, and this is the final one. They are the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. Now, it's important for us to know what Jesus is claiming here, because if what he is claiming is not true, then nothing else that comes after really even matters. So when Jesus says, I am, he's not making some simple statement about his personhood. It's not like uh, me saying, I am Alfredo, I am a dad, and I clean beer lines. No, that's not what he's saying at all. When Jesus says, I am, he's making a theological statement. He's thinking about God. He's got God in mind. Jesus is self-identifying as God. He is making the claim about his deity. Here he is saying, I am God. So to get a better understanding of this I am phrase, we kind of have to go back into the Old Testament a little bit. So in Exodus 3, 13 to 14, Moses and God have a bit of an exchange here. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. Now, this is very important to catch here. In Exodus, God sends Moses to rescue his people. This time, he said, I am here to rescue my people. I have come so that my people may be in relationship with me. And that's what we see in Jesus. God coming down to earth, God dwelling 
with his people. Friends, I think we really need to understand the significance of what's happening here. Jesus thought so highly of you and of me. We are of such high worth to him that he left his throne in heaven, chose to live the life of a suffering servant and die the death of a man cursed so that we could be in relationship with him. This is truly good news. And I know of no other religion or worldview that offers this sacrifice for the sake of fellowship. And that's who Jesus is. That's who God is. A savior that, is, that comes after us with reckless abandonment. That's who I am is. That's God. So who else does Jesus claim to be? He claims to be the true vine. And when he says, when he makes a claim, I am the true vine, in order to like get a good understanding of it, we need to go back to the Old Testament. And there's many places in the Old Testament where Israel is referred to as the vine. For instance, Jeremiah 2:21. Yet I planted you a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. How then have you turned yourself before me into a degenerate shoots of a foreign vine? Psalm 80, verse 8. You moved, you removed a vine from Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. Now, Jews would have heard this vine metaphor and thought to themselves, uh-oh, there's judgment coming. Because of, like Jeremiah, there's other verses in Isaiah and Ezekiel that would remind them that there's judgment coming. But why would, so why would Jesus use like such a metaphor, right? If there's gonna be judgment coming. Jesus is flipping this idea that they have in their heads upside down. Instead of bringing some kind of judgment against them, Jesus is saying, I am going to do what you were not able to do. Jesus is telling his disciples that he is the fulfillment of what Israel was supposed to be. John C. Collins, or C. John Collins, um, that should be on the slide there. He puts it this way. Thus, the most natural understanding of John 15:1 is that Jesus embodies Israel's calling to be the true vine. And in claiming to be the true vine, Jesus claims to be in the line of David, the long-awaited Messiah, true Israel. He is the one that's to bring God to the nations. He's who bring God down to you and to me. Jesus is who makes it possible for us to be in community with the Father. So this is what we have so far, right? We have God coming down to earth, relating to us on just about every level. Happiness, sadness, grief, laughter, pain, love, disappointment, humiliation, temptation. He subjected himself to all of this 
for the sake of us being in relationship with him, the Father, and the Spirit. So when Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, he's saying, God is coming down to finish the job that Abraham started. He came to be the blessing to all the nations. So now that the disciples have like these heavy theological truths, um, what's Jesus tell them to do with all this information, right? He tells them, abide in me. Abide in me. Uh, when I, I, was, I was thinking about abiding and what that looks like, what that means, and the picture that came to my head uh, was when my wife and I went on a cruise. Uh, we stopped in some island in the Caribbean, and it was beautiful. We got off the boats, and we saw a hammock, and we got, we, her and I laid on this hammock, and it was like, it was great. We were just laying there, looking up at this big, beautiful blue sky, beautiful breeze, the sound of the ocean. We were just there. We weren't talking, we weren't doing anything. We were just there together. We were abiding together. And uh, that's like, that's one of the first things that came to mind for me when it came to abiding or when it comes to abiding. So I would just like to ask the question, a little participation here. Um, help me out, please. Um, what, in a word or two, comes to your mind when you think of abiding? What comes to your mind? Anybody? Staying with. Closeness. Okay. Intimacy. Trust. Unity. Mm. Peace. Um, congratulations, you just all engaged in theology. Um, I, so I, I did a little bit of research into that word. Um, and the Greek word is uh, meno. And uh, just a quick qualify, I am no Greek scholar. Um, I almost failed Greek in seminary. So I just looked the word up in a lexicon, which is something that anybody can do. A few of the definitions that stood out to me were, of course, abiding, remaining, staying, persevering, enduring, continuing to live, to tarry. And within the context of what's going on in John, um, in my opinion, the most, most appropriate would be being together, being together. And you see this idea throughout the whole fourth gospel. Um, you see Jesus being with people, like physically being with them. You see the word in chapter one coming down to dwell with the people. And so I think there is like something significant about spending time with people. And that's not to say always Jesus did look to take time away by himself and rest and he would tell his disciples to come away and rest, right? But it seems like he's setting a precedent. And that's uh, 
but there's something important about being with people, spending time with someone, spending time. And I think that's, when, that's where we start to really get into what abiding means, spending time. When he says abide in me, I think he's simply saying, be in relationship with me. Be here with me. Um, concerning the Christian life, Kenneth Boa says, the cause, or excuse me, the focus of the Christian life should not be deeds and actions, but a relationship. It is centered not on a product, but on a person. It is a matter of abiding in Christ Jesus rather than fulfilling a set of religious formulas. So I think when, when we abide in him, we talk with him, we learn from him, we get to know him. And it's not, it's, this isn't something that happens overnight, right? You don't flip a switch and like you're there, you've arrived, no. There's, that, that's not, in my opinion, like how relationships work, right? In relationships, there's ups and downs, there's good times, there's bad times. That's how relationships are, especially the ones worth having are like that. They're, uh, dare I say, organic, right? And I think that though we have ups and downs and periods of being a, a good Christian and a bad Christian, we remain in him throughout all that. We remain in him. It's like when a married couple is fighting, right, or going through a rough patch. I don't think we say, oh, they're no longer in a relationship because they're kind of going through something. No, they're still in that relationship, just going through something. And I think that's how our relationship with Jesus is sometimes. Sometimes we go through things, but we remain in a relationship with him. I mean, think about what the disciples had coming up, like right after this discourse here. The cross, the death of Jesus, you're gonna feel this great abandonment, this defeat. They all took off, the exception of one. One even flat out denied them. They needed to hear this right now. We need to hear this right now. Jesus doesn't always call us to a life without sorrow and disappointment. It's also, I think, important to talk about the fact that being in Jesus is being part of his people. When we're in Jesus, we're in a group of people. It's not like, it's just me and Jesus and no one else. It's me and Jesus and you and you and you and you. We abide in him together. About this, again, Collins, he says this, so when Jesus tells his disciples to abide in him, he is telling them to be faithful members of that people for whom he is king. He goes on to say, to abide in Christ is to use our connection to other Christians as the vehicle by which Christ ministers life to us. And each of us is a vehicle of Christ's life to others. You know, I think, it's not like Jesus was like, uh, hey, Pete, when you abide in me, do it on your own, you know? 
I don't know if Jesus would call Peter Pete, but I like to think of Jesus as a pretty cool guy. He would do that. But when we're in him, we're not or we should not be alone in him. We're in this thing together. We are in this thing together. So, what's the good news here today? It's this. The God of the universe, the one who spoke and things appeared, the one that holds all of creation in his hand, he seeks to be in relationship with you and with me. <laughs> and it's not because of anything that we've done. In verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I say we take comfort in that. Take comfort in that when things are going great. Take comfort in that when it seems like everything around you is going down in flames. Because despite the circumstance, the truth is, he desires to be with us. Be in him. Let him be what gives you life. Let him be what sustains you. Let us abide in him that he may abide in us and his joy in us. Um, that's pretty much all I have. Um, but I, I do want to say, um, if you have like not been abiding in him lately, or you're trying to get back to that place where like you want to abide with him, come pray with us after. Um, there'll be people up here to pray for you. I'll pray with you. Um, let's get in on it together, right? Don't abide alone. I don't know that's the way that it was meant to be. So, thank you, guys.